This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, hey, everyone, this is Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to The Courage Cast, and we have a very, very special couple of guests here today. I'm sitting here in um, my basement studio with Dayud Abudiab. Dayud, welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you, Eric. And I'm on Skype with Nahed Zir. Nahed, welcome to The Courage Cast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, so this is uh, this is going to be fun. I've been looking forward to this since last month. Uh, Dayud had uh, Chrissy and me, as well as a few other people, over to his house. We had a nice meal, and we had some great food that your wife cooked. Thank you. It was unbelievable. And um, we got into some really good conversation, and things that I had no idea about. Of course, we're neighbors so I had no, I, I was really excited to uh, get to know you better. And, um, and so one of the things that, uh, that you're involved in is the Faith and Culture Center. Tell me about the Faith and Culture Center, Daoud. Sure. Um, a couple of years ago, I helped found the Faith and Culture Center, mainly to work on an initiative as a pilot um, called the Our Muslim Neighbor Initiative. Mm-hmm. And um, it is basically a community effort to address an issue with the anti-Muslim sentiment in Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that originated from, really kind of came to a head after 9-11? Uh, actually, it's something that has um, maybe materialized because of relationships that I personally have forged with um, maybe f- neighbors and leaders, religious leaders in the community over the past, um, I would say, since 2008. Okay. And... Um, uh, there was an incident that kind of gave birth to to this, mm-hmm. and that is a speaker came from California uh, to speak about women's rights in Islam, mm-hmm. and that event was hosted at Lipscomb. Okay. And um, that individual, Mahal Gennady, uh, was really impressed with the uh, deepness in relationships between people in the interfaith community in Nashville. And so she was part of a national team who was looking for a pilot uh, across the United States, and uh, she thought we had what it take, hmm. what it takes to, to act on this Our Muslim Neighbor Initiative. Okay. So are you partnering with her on this? We've actually, this is a local... Uh, led effort Mm -hmm. and we have national sponsors who have been very generous in funding this work Mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of modeled uh, after um, the way that relationships developed for me personally with um, religious leaders Mm -hmm. uh, Christian, Jewish, Baha'i Hindu and other Mm -hmm. Um, and they've allowed us to really figure out how do we want to go about it? How do we want to go about creating safe space for Muslims and non-Muslims mm. as neighbors in Middle Tennessee to come to know one another? Yeah, I think it's great that we're, we are neighbors and uh, we're sitting here talking about it. Um, so, Nahed, tell me, how are you involved with the Faith and Culture Center? I am. So I've been involved with the Faith and Culture Center for about a year now as a consultant, and I recently took the executive director role. I started officially in that role January 1. Okay. So this is three months in now. Yes, three months in. And you still like Dawood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, Dawood is, um, you know, president of FCC's board, so he's my <laughs> boss. Um, but he's 
He's also become a friend. His wife, Robin, has become a friend. Um, our families have gotten to know each other. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I still like Dode. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, we, we're, we're kidding. We, we kid around here. So I, I love putting people on the spot sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, Nahed, we'll, I, wanna, I'm, I know you have a very interesting background and how you came uh, and got involved in this. And I do want to get to that. But I want to talk to Daud about kind of his background first and kind of come to understand where he's coming from and why this issue is, has been so important to you. So give me a little bit of background and, you know, go as far back as you want to where you were born and can, you know, all the way uh, to today. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go back because I think it's something that has been in the making for a long time. Um, I was born and raised in the city of Jerusalem Mm. uh, to a Muslim family. And my parents thought it would be a good idea to send us to a French Catholic school. So for about 13 years, um, I was the one-third of the um, number of students. Muslims were one-third with with two-thirds Christian. Okay. Um, Very interesting dynamic there, yeah. Yeah, and and I lived in a neighborhood that was mostly Arab, mostly Muslim, mm-hmm. few Christian families. Mm-hmm. But across the street was mainly Jewish neighbors. Okay. And so I grew up basically taking people at their word of who they were. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of diversity within the Christian community, the different denominations, uh, even within the Jewish community. There were the conservative and the liberal. There were the non-secular, etc. And so I grew up accepting of everybody. And I really didn't learn that uh, that was not the case for people um, that I've met here in the United States, who've, immigrants who've come here. So it was only when I arrived in the United States and have spent several years here that I learned from friends, particularly Muslims and and maybe some Christians who've moved here from other countries, that this is not the way they were, this is not their experience overseas. So somebody who grew up in Somalia may have never met a Christian until they've come here to the United States. Mm-hmm. Actually, a friend of mine says all the Christians lived on Embassy Road <laughs> in Somalia, mm-hmm. and they were not the people that we interacted with. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it was different. Everybody um, um, was interesting to me, and I knew a little bit about the background. This didn't really come into play till uh, my family and I moved to Columbia, Tennessee. Okay. Now, my wife is from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. She grew up in a Christian family, Catholic, Methodist. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, we moved to Colombia for work. Mm-hmm. In 2001, we established the Islamic Center, um, an effort to really raise our family in um, a community that we believed shared our values. Mm-hmm. One of the things my friend who recruited me here told me, he said, this is a family-focused, centered community and uh, very welcoming. I think you're going to love it. And when did you move here? In 98. In 98, to Columbia, Tennessee, to from? Columbia, Tennessee, from Little Rock, Arkansas. From Little Rock, Arkansas, okay. And work took you here, your, your employer, employer brought you here. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I worked in healthcare and lived in Columbia. It really became community for us. Mm-hmm. And I was living the dream. Mm-hmm. Nice home, um, cars. We've had our second child at the time, mm-hmm. third child. Mm-hmm. Um, in so two of my kids were born in Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, in 2001 we established the Islamic Center. Um, there were maybe at most, I would say, about 50 individuals attending, adults and children. So this is this is uh, uh, religious services and things like that. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. it, it was both. A, it was a place for us to get together and share in our uh, diverse culture. I think maybe. You know, we represented 20 different countries. Mm. So there was an individual who was raised in Colombia. Mm-hmm. 
and for him, that's always been home. Mm-hmm. But for some of us, we, we have come from North Africa, the Middle East, um, Indonesia, mm-hmm. North, you know, different parts of the world. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, in 2001, we established the center, and uh, we had a little building in Colombia. And for the most part, we enjoyed really good uh, acceptance from the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't establish a lot of relationships, but um, there wasn't much negative. Mm-hmm. We would be featured uh, around the month of Ramadan of fasting in the local paper mm-hmm. um, here and there. Nothing really of significance. Right. And it wasn't until 2008 that our center was firebombed. Mm. And um, three young men who <clears throat> claimed to belong to the Christian identity movement mm-hmm. decided that what we were doing in that uh, center went against their biblical teachings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they destroyed our center. Mm-hmm. And that first week, really within seven days, uh, we went through a lot of Emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, one week following that incident, there was a vigil. A vigil. A vigil. Okay. So, attracted maybe 80, 85 people. Mm-hmm. And those people came from, I remember there was a, a, a Jewish guy from Memphis. There were people from the farm. Etheridge, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were people from the Islamic Center in Huntsville, Alabama, where mm-hmm. a, my family lived for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Muslim community in Nashville, the mm-hmm. Latino community in Colombia, mm-hmm. the church, the African American church, and there were representatives of the city. Mm-hmm. One of the groups that helped organize that vigil was the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, at the time, I didn't think of myself as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I was right. just Daoud. I didn't think... I, I really... This is where I started to realize my upbringing played into my current life. Mm-hmm. I didn't really identify by labels. Mm-hmm. And so, on that day, something really transformed me. Mm. I realized that my community were not the 50 people who come to our mosque to mm. pray. Mm-hmm. And a mosque is a house of worship for yeah. Muslims. Right. It was really the people who showed up that day. Showed up because of what they believed, both maybe their t- religious tradition and their culture. Mm-hmm. And that was uplifting. Mm. Um. For years that followed, I so appreciated those relations, those relationships, mm-hmm. that I've kept up with most everybody I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And out of that developed the relationships in working in the interfaith community in mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, we had started working with the family of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one of the events that Family of Abraham hosted at Lipscomb Mm. that introduced us to the Our Muslim Neighbor national team. Okay, got it. Tell me about Family of Abraham. What is that? Family of Abraham is an organization. It's it's a volunteer organization. Mm -hmm. And... It has it came about from a circle of friends, Jews and Muslims, mm-hmm. who started out as a couple of friends with friendships, and they decided, you know, we need to take this into our communities. Mm-hmm. And so about maybe 30 individuals, Muslim and Jewish, got together, and we spent about 10 months meeting once a month, going over one topic— And it was a curriculum that was put together by Muslims and Jews, uh, national organizations, for this purpose, to get to know one another. Mm. And uh, over time, we developed trust. Mm. And that has lasted us until now. Some of my 
um, you know, best friends. We, we've, we've become so close that our families even spend time together. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to expand that uh, beyond the Muslim and Jewish. And so uh, the family of Abraham came out of that. And we started hosting uh, public speaking events hmm. to give the community an opportunity uh, to learn a little bit about um, the Muslim community in general. Yeah, None of the stuff that we do that I engage in is really about teaching about Islam. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, focused on getting to know your Muslim neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before that label of being Muslim comes up. Um, and sometimes that's a challenge. Yeah. Well, everybody has preconceived notions. And there's a lot of fear, obviously. You, you run into, obviously, that act that was the firebombing, that was an act of fear. That was an act of not understanding you as a people. And there was no love in that. Uh, but, but more importantly, I think the fear, fear goes away when we take the time to understand it, we, you know, a, a bug is crawling on the floor, you know, we're naturally afraid of it. But when we understand that it's just there to do whatever, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to want to kill it, you know, that, that, that it has a purpose, whatever, you know what I mean? It's kind of this bad example, but, or a bad comparison, but it's just getting what I love about your mission and your passion is and I, I'm a hundred percent supportive of this. I want to see people understand one another. I grew up in a in a uh, environment where I was raised in a German family. My parents were immigrants, and we came over here, and it was a very different culture for me growing up. The American culture, especially in the South, has a certain stigma where we might need to understand one. We might need to understand the South a little bit better if we all would stop talking and just start listening more, we might actually find that we have a lot more in common. Absolutely. And actually, I have a confession to make. What's your confession? So we moved in this neighborhood about three years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, we live across the street from one another. Mm-hmm. We know each other's name. We've met at the bus stop. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've engaged in conversation, but it wasn't really until a month ago or so, that you guys came over for dinner, along with other friends, Mm -hmm. that we got to know one another. Yeah. So, you mentioned preconceived ideas. Mm -hmm. And so, I knew that uh, you and Chrissy were involved in Christian music, and Mm -hmm. and for for whatever reason, uh, right, wrong, I... I developed the perception that it is conservative Christian music, mm-hmm. and that maybe, um, um, given that we're Muslim, we we may not necessarily be on the same page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's funny is you guys showed up, we enjoyed the food, and then, you know, what was so intriguing is the the laughs. Yes, yes. I felt very comfortable with you very quickly. And we started telling stories. Some of them were embarrassing to tell. Yes. <laughs> and family even contributed to that. I so love your, your kids were great. Yeah. About Robbie. us and, you know, our children and, and spouses. And, yeah. and we felt so at ease with one another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that you are an immigrant as well, mm-hmm. we started to connect. Mm-hmm. We started to connect maybe on being silly fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, our spouses make fun of us. Right. <laughs> and we we each have peculiarities in how we go about doing things. Mm-hmm. And we thought those were funny. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> and so we started to connect. Yeah. And it is amazing that once we, we forget about those labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're able to see the human being, you yeah. know, the person behind the label. Yeah. And that's when we we stop uh, asking those questions. You would think that, hey, I have an opportunity now. I'm, I've, 
I'm meeting you. I want to ask you questions. What's your faith? What do you believe in? <laughs> and that's not what happens. No. That may come the more <laughs> we talk because I'm intrigued. And, and we might get into some of that now. But yeah, I felt like my, you know, I, I came in with preconceived notions too. I, I, I came in. We all have our guards up when we first, when we have a label to overcome, right? We both, each of us had labels to overcome. And um, when we finally understand one another as people that we, that we are both people, we both uh, want the same thing, which is peace and love and good family relationships, right? Absolutely. And uh, it just does wonders for your soul. It does wonders for a community when everybody can get a hold of that, and then we can come together and stand with our brothers and sisters in, in, uh, of different faiths and forget about the faith, the, not forget about the faith part, but not let that be something that keeps us from being in community with one another. Absolutely. And I think that's where, uh, you know, what's common in a lot of how uh, relationships develop is whether your neighbors, whether your peers, what have you, is you develop trust. Mm-hmm. And it is through that relationship that over time you begin to interpret information uh, you receive about your neighbor, whether mm-hmm. it's from them directly, mm-hmm. whether it is from other neighbors, or whether it's from you know CNN, Fox News, uh Whatever, sure. Even media. internet, media mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. general, mm-hmm. Uh, you start to interpret that, and it it is almost like putting that information in context. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mutual, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. So it is very important for uh, members within the Muslim community to get to know members who are in the community, who are their neighbors, and are non-Muslim. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. I think it's important for the larger community mm-hmm. to get to know the Muslim community. We have nobody has to check their faith at the door. Nobody has to check their ethnicity or culture at the door. Um, you know, this is this is America. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have come here, and I I don't think uh, you would disagree, but we've we've come to love. Um, our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to actually learn more at some point. And I know we don't, we can't get into all of it right now, but maybe come back for a part two um, about your experiences uh, growing up in Jerusalem. Sure, and because um, that's intriguing to me, just to to understand understand what it was like for you growing up, what it's like today, and. Because there's so much political and socioeconomic uh, and religious, um, oh gosh, uh, issues in in that region that um, it would be a very interesting discussion. More, I would be doing most of the listening because I I don't really have a strong opinion uh, about it because I I've never been there. I've I've never I don't understand the people there. So I'm on a journey of understanding, but. Um, I think that's gonna that's fascinating. Is there one thing you would tell me, or any thoughts you have about that? You know, the the one thing about it, and and you may have that experience. You know how with our children we remember those moments when we have a photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are easier to remember and recall, and and it's vivid. It's almost that you can relive it. Yeah, and I think um, telling those stories about my youth growing up in Jerusalem. Um, kind of does, has the same effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm 50 years old, April 17, so <laughs> soon, and I've spent closer to 30 years in the United States, mm-hmm. and so much of my childhood, um, the only parts I remember are the parts that I talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it 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 stays, you know, that vivid part of me. Yeah. Um. But sure, yeah, we need to we need to have a part two on that. Yeah. Okay, so Nahed, let me let me bring you in here. You've been uh, good to to listen, and 
um, hear some of this. Um, so tell me about your your background, and uh, I understand you have a very interesting background, so I would just love to hear how you got involved. You don't sound the same as Dayut, so uh, you have an American accent. We grew in the same area. We oh, grew up. You did? Yeah. Okay, so, so Nahed, take it away, wherever you want to start. Sure. So I was born in Israel. My family is Christian Palestinian. Hmm. Uh, and my, my dad's family is Roman Catholic. My mom's family is East Orthodox. Okay. Um, my parents, my mom converted to Catholicism when they were married. And, uh, but now they attend an English slash Arabic speaking East Orthodox church in California. So I have, um, I guess a faith life in terms of my family that is, a little jumbled um, we, <laughs> to put, I guess, yes. uh, we, when we moved to the United States, we immigrated to the United States when I was six, we moved to New York city. We came for my dad's uh, job. He mm-hmm. had a fellowship, a research fellowship in New York. And the intention was to stay for two years and then to go back home. Mm-hmm. But my parents loved America and they wanted to raise their children here. And so we ended up staying for much longer than that. So, after two years in New York City, we lived in the Bronx. Awesome. We I grew up in New we, Jersey. Oh, you did? Okay. I yeah. have family there. Yeah. Um, we moved to a little town in Iowa called Fort Dodge. Wow. Town of about 30,000 people. So that was, you know, we had one culture shock moving to the United States, and then we had another culture shock moving to the Midwest from a place like the Bronx. Wow. And to a town in Fort Dodge. But my parents loved Fort Dodge and I loved growing up there. I mean, it was a, a community that was welcoming. We were one of the only Arab families in town for a very long time. So we were different, but just kind of immersed in the town's culture. I mean, I, I very much feel like that was an important part of my childhood. At the same time, were we your were parents back- were your parents commu- involved in the community? Uh, it sounds like they were. Yes, um, they were involved in the community. So um, my dad's a cardiologist and my parents were, my mom especially was involved in, you know, some volunteering and some other things. And then, of course, you know, when you live in a town of 30,000, it's hard not to be involved in terms of your children's school, Mm -hmm. your church, whatever the case might be. So, yeah, my parents were definitely involved in the community. They made a very close circle of friends. Um, You know, one... Oh, eventually there was another family, an Arab family in town that my, my parents befriended, but my parents' friends were largely, you know, American Midwesterners. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I went to college at the university of Iowa. And then after my freshman year of college, my parents decided that they wanted to move back to Israel. Mm. So they went, I went with them for six months. I attended the Rothberg school in Jerusalem. Mm Mm-hmm. But by that point, I had already met uh, the man that was going to be my future husband. So I was in love and I was going back to the States at that point. (laughs) My parents were hopeful that I would stay, but I didn't stay. You know, I went home. I finished out uh, my education. I started a master's program. I eventually got a PhD in religious studies. Hmm. And uh, my parents, eight years after moving to Israel, moved back to the United States and are now in California. So they've moved from Israel to the States, from the States to Israel, and then back to the States. Okay. And uh, at the same time... Are we, they U.S. You know, citizens at this point or still? Yes. Yeah, okay. We are. We're all... Uh, we have dual citizenship. Right. So at the same time, though, growing up in Iowa, we went back you know, home all the time. We went back almost every single summer. We mm-hmm. often went back for Christmas break. So I spent a significant part of my time with my family mm-hmm. overseas. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I grew up in both places. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was an unusual childhood. But when I, it's funny, you know, you don't realize that you're unusual until people tell you that you are. So my experiences were just my experiences. And it really wasn't until, you know, I was kind of an adult and left a town where everybody knew me and just kind of knew that I went off to this place every single summer for a period of time Yeah, that no one had ever been to that. I started to realize that I had a unique background. Yeah. I just always, you know, I felt kind of regular. That was just my life. And I guess it takes being an adult 
you know, to sort of understand that those experiences are unusual. Were were you an only child? No, I'm the oldest of four. Okay, because uh, I was an only child, and I I moved. Um, I would go back every summer. Uh, my parents would ship me over to Germany by myself, and I would spend time with all of my my family there, and it was very natural. So I really identify with your, you know, every summer we'd go back and you know spend time with the family. It was just what we did, and yeah. I I kind of. I don't know. I, I was kind of proud of the fact that I was doing that. It was something that made me different and unique. And how did you feel about it? Did you feel, did you feel sort of special or, or how um, did that, how did that feel to you? You know, it's interesting because I haven't realized this about myself until probably the last couple of months, but I have never quite fit in. Um, I've always, you know, I've always developed strong relationships. Those relationships have always been very important to me. I have friends that I've been friends with for a very long time. But at the same time, I never really quite fit into any one group. And I think it was probably because of my background. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I just didn't have the same upbringing as most of the people that I was friends with. And, you know, my cousins who I'm very close to, you know, overseas had a very different life than I did in the States because, mm-hmm. you know, there are cultural differences. And so I was always somebody that just stuck out a little bit. I've always been a little bit weird. And I think I felt that. I just didn't know exactly how to put words to it. Mm-hmm. So you're, you. let me get this right. You're from Arab descent. Yes, I'm Palestinian. Palestinian descent um, from Israel as yes. an Israeli citizen. Right? Yes. Okay, so yes. you're an Israeli Palestinian. Yes. Okay. Who is Christian? Yes. <laughs> uh or would you say uh, would you say Catholic or evangelical or which one of <laughs> no. what would you say you are? This is where it probably gets even more complicated. So my husband and I are Presbyterian. <laughs> okay. All right, is that is that your husband's background too? Obviously. No, my no? husband grew up in a non-denominational charismatic church, <laughs> and we uh, attended non-denominational churches for a period of time. And then I, both of us r- really, I mean, I think I started to feel it a little bit more, like a little bit earlier, but it was definitely a shared sentiment. I just needed more um, ritual, and I needed more doctrine. I hear so, that so much from from non-denominational or more charismatic environments, people hunger for the tradition and the ritual and the the deeper doctrinal issues of their faith that that they can receive in a Presbyterian type environment. So very interesting. Yeah. And I, I just I find a lot of meaning in those things. Mm-hmm. And I think especially, you know, I'm an academic by training, I just wanted to see the doctrine. I wanted to be able to read uh, the product of, you know, discourse of a community coming to certain positions and a number of issues that are important to uh, the community. And it's not that you have to agree with every single piece of it. I just wanted there to be um, like a record of that very robust kind of conversation. I just needed that as a part of my faith life. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of, you know, we ended up Presbyterian and, you know, we love our church and we're very happy there. Definitely feel like we found a church family. And you live here in Nashville. I do. We live here in Nashville. So after uh, finishing my doctorate, which uh, my doctorate is in religious studies and my field of competence, competence, excuse me, is religious ethics. Mm -hmm. And my dissertation was a study that incorporated the... Um, ethics of war and both the Western just war tradition and the Islamic tradition. And then I ended up writing a book on the war against Al Qaeda that also incorporated both of those traditions. And so I ended up my first year finishing, I had a postdoc at the United States Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. So I spent a year there, an amazing year, researching and teaching Islam to military officers. So a Christian Presbyterians teaching Islam to military officers. Yes, I love it. that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and they were some of the best students I've ever had. Very curious, very responsible, just eager for conversation and discussion. I mean, it was an amazing experience. And then I took my first tenure track job 
at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. And my husband found a job in Brentwood. And so we moved to Nashville. Awesome. That's amazing. All right. So this is it's just fascinating. I love it. I love it. Very impressive. Um, so that's how you... Now, how did you guys connect, da- Daoud? And uh, how did you guys connect? You or Nahed, how did you connect with, with so, the, the Culture Center? Um, so I, after having my second child, I was on a one-year... I asked for a one-year unpaid leave of absence. I mean, having children just changed everything for our family mm-hmm. in a number of ways. And I, there was just some things that weren't working and I, you know, my husband, and I just needed time to figure things out. So after my second daughter was born, I took this year leave and a year prior to taking that leave, like before I'd even gotten pregnant with her, I had committed to doing a class at my church on Islam. So there were a lot of questions in my congregation about Islam. A lot of people were really looking for good information. You know, they wanted somebody with credentials to come in and teach this course. You know, our pastoral staff um, just didn't feel like that was something that they were equipped to teach. And, you know, they found out that I did this professionally. So they said, hey, you know, do you want to come in and do this? And I said, sure. So I worked with um, one of our pastors to design a four-week lecture series. Mm-hmm. It was every Sunday in April, and it was called Understanding Islam. So I did two weeks of lecturing, one week of Q&A, and then in the fourth week, you know, I told my pastor at, at some point in the planning process, I just feel like we, you know, we need to meet some Muslims. Like our congregation needs to meet people who are Muslims. Like I can stand here and I can lecture and I can talk about it. And I think that that's great background, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like it would have been incomplete without inviting some Muslims to come in and talk about their faith, mm-hmm. you know, themselves. So I got connected with the Faith and Culture Center. I talked to David on the phone. And, you know, we I met with him and um, a few other folks. And they came in on that fourth Sunday and they answered a series of questions that our congregation had about their life and their faith and what it's like to be, you know, a Muslim in America, what it's like to be a Muslim in Middle Tennessee. Hmm. And they they spent, you know an hour just fielding questions. And, you know, there are 400 people in the room every single Sunday. Mm. So there was just tremendous interest and people were responding so positively to the program that it just made me feel like, okay, something's going on here. Mm. You know, I don't know exactly what it is, but something important is happening and I just need to, to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, since having my first child, I, I'd been praying um, a lot about a change of direction because I was starting to feel like what I was doing just wasn't working for my family for a series of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd taken that year off to try to listen. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm, I meet Daoud and I meet the Faith and Culture Center and we have just this amazing experience. You know, what I told Daoud and what I tell people about the Faith and Culture Center and how I came to be a part of this is that it was in that last Sunday when members of our church were able to meet Muslims that I saw a transformative experience. Mm. And I'd been teaching courses on Islam at WKU for, you know, four and a half, five years at that point. And I just hadn't seen anything like that happen and happen so quickly. Mm. Um, and I thought, okay, like this, this is what it's about. It's about meeting people, mm. right? And it sounds like such a, a strange thing to say now, but as an academic, that's typically not the approach that you take. Um, it's it's just a very different kind of approach. Like I talked a lot about history, and I talked right. a lot about diversity within the tradition, and I talked a lot about you know current issues in Islam, and, and I think that certainly that was good, and I think that my students benefited from it. But the transformations that I saw happening in which suddenly, you know, members of my congregation were seeing, as Dode said, you know, Dode and not necessarily a Muslim, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, was incredible. It was amazing. And I was moved and transformed by it myself. Yeah. So I started working with FCC as a consultant. I helped with um, a conference. And then all of a sudden I was developing programs and then all of a sudden I, 
you know, my husband and I were talking and I was just like, I really love this work. Um, it's really challenging in a number of ways, but I felt lit up by it Mm -hmm. in a way that I, I hadn't felt by teaching for a long time. Yeah. And I felt like this was what God had called me to do is to, to kind of move into this new, new place. You know, I, told Dode a few weeks ago that in some ways I feel like everything in my life has kind of prepared me <laughs> to meet Dode and Robin and be a part of FCC. I mean, I, I just, you know, it's hard to know exactly what to say because this is all still very new. You know, I've known Dode and Robin and been working with FCC for about a year and mm-hmm. I've been the ED, you know, less than three months. Um, or excuse me, a little bit over three months. So much of our story, I think, has not yet been written. Sure. But when I look back at the way things, you know, happened, it it makes, it's very clear to me and to my family that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Yeah. Uh, What I love about it is that you come alive in that environment. All of your experiences, all of your backgrounds, um, all of your background um, just brought you to this very place to, to fulfill up whatever mission or calling that you have. Um, and I, and I, I'm kind of excited to see restoration be brought into our larger community here, um, in the greater Nashville area. I'm assuming that you kind of work with the greater middle ten, the middle Tennessee area, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And you know, you mentioned faith. I think, um, uh, you know, similar to what Nahed was saying, uh, you just have to trust that you're not in charge. <laughs> and so things move in a direction uh, that sometimes leaves you baffled. Yeah. You know, Nahed and I actually connected through the very same person who introduced me to the Our Muslim Neighbor Initiative, ah. who is in California mm-hmm. through email. Mm-hmm. Nahid was looking for someone here in Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. and she was pointed towards a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And I stepped back and wanted to see what happens, and then it, it just so happened that Nahid and I ended up connecting, and I helped her out with her need for those 400 individuals on mm-hmm. a Sunday after church to meet a couple of Muslims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I could say the same thing about, you know, my uh, partner in creating um, and founding of the Faith and Culture Center. Mm -hmm. You know, Robert Montgomery was raised in Lewisburg, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. He's a Presbyterian pastor. Mm -hmm. Bernard Worthen is a retired Jewish business leader. Mm -hmm. And so... As we saw our relationships develop, we thought, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that you want to replicate in the community. And so, yeah. with Faith and Culture Center, we really model the way we model our mission in our work. Mm. And so, we have a board that's very diverse mm-hmm. in faith traditions, in experiences, uh, and in in representing this many sectors of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily um, plan every next step. Uh, the magic happens when you meet individuals. Yeah. And those individuals inspire you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doors open and we get to dream together about what kind of community, what kind of, uh, how do we want to relate to one another? And that's, that's the essence of it, mm-hmm. is that you and I are not uh, a mirror image of one another. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to relate to one another? Uh, we're neighbors, mm-hmm. and um, we're going to get to be neighbors, then we're going to meet, mm-hmm. then we're going to learn about one another, and then we're going to have that conversation about, so tell me, what are you really, what are your beliefs? Mm-hmm. Or, or what do you think of this? Where do you stand on that? Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is, 
you're probably a unique Christian. Mm-hmm. And equally true is I'm a unique Muslim. Mm-hmm. I'm not the Quran. I'm not the sayings of the Prophet. I don't live the Quran fully. I don't live the teachings in Islam. And my understanding of my tradition, I would dare say, is as unique as anyone else's. Mm. And so no matter how much learning you will do in reading books and researching Islam, ultimately it, it, it's irrelevant because you're going to find everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. You're going to find the kind, the evil, the, the uh, liberal, the conservative, um, the aggressive, the pacifist. Mm-hmm. The, you're going to find every type of Muslim that there is an equal type of Jew, Christian, mm-hmm. human being. Right. That's how we we're are. We're humans, right. We're, yeah. we're all made unique and made differently. And that's what makes... What I love about the fact that what, what Nahed does is, or did, her story there, is that she did all of this head knowledge. You know, she ingrained, for those four weeks, she ingrained them with good, basic head knowledge. But the fourth week was when the heart <clears throat> came in. I think I think it was when when the heart got involved, and it's really hard to deny uh, your heart. And I, you know, and when you look someone in the eye, uh, it's a completely different. And you give them a hug, and you you shake hands, and you 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 cross the the barriers. Eric stops being a an immigrant, right. a German immigrant. Mm-hmm. You become. My neighbor, you become right. a human being, a person mm-hmm. that I know, and mm-hmm. I start seeing you as a member of your family. Mm-hmm. You're not just a an immigrant. Right. You're mm-hmm. a unit. You're a family unit. You right. have. I start seeing the way you you look at your children, the mm-hmm. way you provide, the way you and your wife build a life together. Mm-hmm. Um, you share your experiences with the world, mm-hmm. and and that. All of a sudden, I get to know you through that, mm-hmm. and I get then to find out what kind of Christian, what kind of Jew, what kind of Muslim mm-hmm. you happen to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, I think I think what FCC does by you know sort of breaking down these physical barriers to engagement and by bringing people together very intentionally is we we make it personal fcc makes it personal Mm. you get to know people who are not a part of your immediate community you know you get to develop relationships with them and suddenly people who are not a part of your immediate community are no longer just an abstract thing out there but they they're people that are in your network they're mm-hmm. people that you know. And that changes, as Dode was saying, your perspective. It gives you new eyes with which to see the world around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. What would you say were some of the biggest um, misconceptions or what were some of the misconceptions that you found that that after those four weeks with your church that was, was turned, were, were, you know, literally from left to right or up to down, you know, what were some of the the things that you found people changed their perceptions of the Muslim community or Muslims in general? So my youngest is crying. I don't know if you can hear her, but um, I hope that's okay. Um, It's fine. What were some of, I think some of those misconceptions. So, you know, I cannot tell you how many people, because, you know, when you give a talk, a lecture, a class in front of 400 people, you know, four weeks in a row and a church that has a membership of 4,000 people, like people then recognize you, yeah, right, at right. church on Sunday, you know, when you're out about town and running into them, wherever it is that you are. And I just, I cannot tell you how many people stopped me to say, thank you. And the thing that people kept saying was that class was a gift to our church. And I think what folks meant by that is that they really wanted 
to feel good about their Muslim neighbors. Mm -hmm. They wanted to feel confident in the Muslims that were in their community, whether they knew them or didn't know them, right? Just this abstract idea of Muslims living among us, right? Yeah. They wanted to better understand their faith tradition because they were really um, worried about the things that they were hearing in the news, sure. right? Like some some folks were, were scared. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the class provided, not just in terms of information, but in terms of meeting people who they found to be um, different than them in certain ways, but alike, like them in many other ways, right? So some of the comments that I heard that moved me the most were things like, you know, I understand like these folks are just like me. They're trying to live their life, raise their families in light of what they believe God has asked them to do. That's just like me, right? Mm -hmm. They have the same struggles that I do in terms of attempting to understand how their faith applies, right? Right. Um, I didn't realize that Muslims felt this way about um, living in America or that Muslims loved America like I love America, right? Mm. So these kinds of statements that where folks were attempting to communicate in a variety of ways that they had felt a connection with that person, right? Yeah. Um, and it was no longer about some abstract category of Muslim mm-hmm. or an abstract category of Islam that they really didn't know very much about, but a, a human being standing in front of them that they felt an affinity with for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I, uh, I love your story. Thank you, Nahed, for, um, for taking so much time and kind of sharing a bit of that. I, 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 again, I would love to have a part two, a three and a four to talk deeper issues and maybe, um, you know, ask you more, uh, more about the, the Muslim faith and, um, you know, where some of the commonalities are, even some of the basics. And, um, and, and because, you know, I really don't know a whole lot. Uh, about it. There's a lot of things I've heard, a lot of, but I've never sat in a teaching. So I, I need to sit in a, in a teaching. I'd love for Nahed to do that more often. I'd love for FCC to, to be a part of doing that. Maybe our church can invite her in or, or we can do a coalition of, of, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking of ways that we could. Yeah. And, and we do both, you know, um, it's not to say that we do not share information. We don't teach Islam. We teach about sure. uh, Islam and Muslims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as individuals, every group is guilty of this. We we think one way of the others, and we don't think necessarily of ourselves the same way. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about, when we think of uh, Muslims in our general community, we, we think of people who are foreign. Mm-hmm. We don't think necessarily of citizens. Right? right. And so I think what is unique to to our approach is that my story is is here. My story came out of Columbia, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it, it was ugly. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly episode in our middle Tennessee history. And so it's a reminder of the fact that all of our faith traditions have ugly episodes, mm-hmm. have people who misbehave, people who do not uphold their own faith traditions, their own teachings, sure. right? And so when you meet a Muslim, for me, I can tell you that uh, every time I've met a Muslim who had an a negative sentiment. Um, I didn't fit the image they had of a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I'm either confronted with, oh, you're not the Muslim I'm concerned about. <laughs> and I usually say, could it be my mother you're afraid of? I don't, should I be laughing at that? Because yeah, that's pretty funny. It, it you're is. very dry. It is. Okay. I mean, and, and so... You know, I say in all of our meetings, when we invite non-Muslims and Muslims together, um, I have yet to meet one Muslim who's um, an Islamophobe, somebody who hates Muslims. You've you've yet to meet a Muslim who's I, an Islamophobe? I have yet to meet 
a non-Muslim. A non-Muslim, okay. Who thinks of herself or himself as someone who hates Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, people have a sentiment. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not rooted in knowledge. It's not rooted in experience. And we're less than 1% of the population. Mm-hmm. And it's even a smaller percent in some areas. And so for many non-Muslims, the opportunity to meet a Muslim is very, very slim. Yeah. But yet they have strong feelings and emotions Mm -hmm. and a sentiment that is not necessarily positive. 80% of of Americans... (laughs) Continue. Uh, 80% of Americans have a negative perception of Muslims. Yeah. And so they get to meet Daoud or Robin, my wife, or my son, and they have a different experience. And all of a sudden, they have to reconcile. Yeah. You know, everything I know about Muslims says that I shouldn't like Robin. Right. But I do like Robin. It's very humbling, actually, for an individual to come face-to-face with their preconceived notions of a Muslim. And it was humbling for me because I came with perceptions that were wrong. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, and and that's the opportunity for us to grow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if Eric decides that he doesn't like Daoud, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But there'll be a reason for it, and you're justified in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and that's that's the whole thing is get to meet a Muslim, and we have yet to meet to have someone go through the different programs that we offer, the different opportunities to meet a Muslim, yeah, and walk away with the same level of fear or anti-Muslim sentiment or yeah. concern. So that's what I would like to finish with, Nihad. Um, could you share with me some of the? opportunities to meet a Muslim that there are that you offer and some suggestions for my audience who are all across the country, not just here in Nashville, but all all over the country, um, what we can do to meet a Muslim. Sure. Absolutely. So our primary program that runs all year round is called a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And these are, dinners. They're hosted in people's homes, uh, by and large hosted in people's homes. And what happens at these dinners is the host invites guests, typically their friends or folks that they're in community with who they believe would benefit from uh, this type of interaction with Muslims. Um, You know, they're they're diverse groups of people. We have folks who attend these from all faith traditions, some who are not religious at all, um, because the conversation tends to focus on transformative experiences, people's stories, their narratives, their biographies. It's very much focused on sharing um, one another's stories and getting to know other people. Mm -hmm. So FCC brings in a facilitator. We provide a facilitator. We provide the meal, Mm -hmm. and we have a directed conversation that's meant to help folks get to know each other. And then we also, you know, invite Muslims to come and be a part of these dinners, of course, so that folks can get to know one another. Mm. So those, um, just one second here. (laughs) Those run all year round. We try to do four of those a month. Um, And we are, we're booked for, I think, until July. So there's been, you know, there's a tremendous interest in this program. We also have an annual conference that we do every single year in September or October. Mm -hmm. We have a community breaking of the fast during the month of Ramadan, where we invite Muslims and Muslims to come together and share a iftar meal. Mm. And uh, we are also developing two new programs, one for local Muslim and Christian leaders to come together and, and form relationships in a community of trust. Mm-hmm. And another that's for millennials who are leaders or aspiring leaders in their respective communities, Muslim and non-Muslim, to come together, meet each other, develop this community. 
and uh, you know be ha- get some training in terms of cross uh, community dialogue and take that back into their own respective communities as ambassadors. I love it. I love it. Now, head. I'm going to let you get to your daughter. Thank you. I'm so sorry. This is just a very <laughs> difficult time of night for my family. I'm so sorry. Well, thank you so much, Nahed, for taking so much time. And I'm going to finish up with Daud here. And uh, I appreciate uh, you being on the, the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nahed. So just to finish up, um, where, where can people learn about the Faith and Culture Center? What's the website? Faith and Culture Center, spelled out, dot org. Mm-hmm. Faith and Culture Center, dot org. And that's where they can learn about all of these things that Nahed just talked about. All of that information and programming is on our website. We're also on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, um, is that Facebook.com slash Faith and Culture Center? Yes. Okay. Um, and our email is FCC. Mm-hmm at faithandculturecenter.org. So you never get confused with the uh, the FCC, the governmental organization of the F- Federal Communication Not Commission. Not in Middle Tennessee. Not in Middle <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> well, um, this is exciting. I, uh, this, I, I, th- I feel like this is just the beginning. I would really love to have uh, maybe a sit-down with Nahed uh, as well. Uh, go and visit, come and visit you guys where you are, and like to plan something, a courageous community event, because what we're about is um, embracing fear, slaying fear, and this is one of those areas where a lot of people are afraid, unnecessarily. You know, the one thing that I would say is, for me, a Muslim, it is almost impossible in my experience to live out my faith if I only surround myself by fellow Muslims, Yes, and only the Muslims I like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, that circle... Becomes, you mean you don't all like each other? Ah, all the surprises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's really learning about yourself. It's mm-hmm. learning about your faith. It is not that your faith becomes diluted. Yeah. It actually, you know how when you and Chrissy talk about your faith, you nod a lot. You agree with with each other. You don't even have to articulate what you believe in. Right. It is only when you have the opportunity to, to speak to someone who doesn't share your faith tradition that you actually get to reflect, and how do I say this? Why, why is it that I believe that? Right. So we really grow in our own faith and faith traditions and understandings, mm-hmm. and that, that contrast sometimes makes us see something in a, in a completely different but really inspiring, uh, loving way. And without that, we're not able to be, you know, I, I tell people if, if you're Jewish and it's, Judaism is all about hope, you know, tell that to the Palestinians. Right. If you're Muslim and you claim that Islam is peace, tell that to all of the non-Muslims who are concerned about their safety. Right, right. right. If you're a Christian and you talk about love, tell Daoud and his small congregation in Colombia about about love in Christianity, mm-hmm. love in firebombing his center. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are opportunities really for us to challenge our what we believe in, yeah. to live it out and act on it. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's truly nothing to lose in doing so, but our fears, but our reservations, and in a lot of times, our ignorance yeah. of who we are and who others might be. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought that well, was is, how you end the session. That is normally how I end the <laughs> session, so... <laughs> Oh boy, do I, I was, we were talking before the episode about all the editing that I I can't stand editing. Now this episode is going to be four different recordings from four different places. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's okay. Um, Well worth it. I, it's worth it because we can, you said we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose, but our fear, our ignorance and our reservations. And um, I, I want to lose those. I want to lose those, and I want our community to lose those. I want the people that listen to this podcast to feel like they came away from this interview enlightened, 
but also reassured, um, strengthened, and um, eyes opened to uh, a bigger picture and a bigger world out there. So thank you to you, uh, Daoud and um, Nahed, um, for, for joining me. Um, I wanted to get Nahed's book because uh, she mentioned it, but do you know what it's called? It actually will be published, I think, in April. April. Okay, so will it be on Amazon? And I'm sure. Okay, so we'll we'll have to do a follow up on that, but that's going to be a very interesting book. I, I'm really curious. Yeah, she's she's been wonderful, and um, it's it's one thing for Dowd to say all I say. It's mm-hmm. it's another for um, Eric and and um, Nahed and Bill Williamson of First Presbyterian in in Columbia. Yeah who gave us the key to his church and said, pray here mm. for as long as you need to. Yeah. It's important for those, for you to stand with your Muslim neighbor, validate that Muslim neighbor, validate their humanity, um, their goodness. Honor them. Honor them. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm honored to be a part of this podcast. Thank um, you. I uh, am grateful that you took the time with me. Uh, Daoud, here's to many more uh, good conversations, good meals together. I would love to have uh, next, we have to have you and Robin and the the kids over and um, enjoy a good Michigan meal that my my wife's a pretty good cook too, but it's uh, more traditional American. Maybe I'll have some sauerkraut and and, uh, brats from my German tradition. Let let us know when. Okay. Looking forward to it. It'll be fun. All right, everyone. Well, this uh, has been a fun episode. I want to thank again Dayud Abudiab and uh, Nahed Zair from the Faith and Culture Center. Faithandculturecenter.org is where you can learn more. Um, have an event. What is, what is your big takeaway? Comment about this um, episode in the Courageous Community at CourageousCommunity.com or Facebook dot com slash courageous community and uh, talk about the this uh, conversation what is you what's your big takeaway from listening to this episode and um, what are you going to do about it um, how are you going to look at your Muslim neighbor um, differently after listening to this well that's it for me friends I'm Eric Nordoff and you've been listening to the courage cast 